Thank you for joining us here today at Victory Church where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or just download our Victory app. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chastain. Uh, today I want to bring a message to you that I think will encourage you. Uh, it, it came out of an all staff. We were doing all staff this week on Monday and we had a few COVID cases in the staff and so we were being precautious and so we did a, a virtual all staff and so we had, you know, over 40 people in a, in a Zoom call and, and uh, I, I, I came across this passage, um, most likely Michelle showed it to me, that's usually what happens. And, and I was sharing this, mess, this passage with the staff and I really began to sense in my heart that, I, that it was a word for our church. And so I wanna take this passage of scripture um, and, and bring a word today that I think will encourage you and challenge you at the same time. It's in Proverbs chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Proverbs chapter four. And we're gonna read verses 20 through 27. I'm gonna read it out of the Passion Translation, okay? Now let me, as your pastor, let me give you just a real quick thing about translations. There's a lot of translations. I think they're all great, they all serve a purpose. They, they help us think differently. Uh, one thing I do want to say quickly about the Passion Translation, the Message Translation, some of those, I think they're great to read. I enjoy reading them. They broaden my mind. They help me think about things that maybe I hadn't thought about before. But I also want to tell you that there's, there's things about some of these that we just need to be aware of and cautious of. Uh, for, instance, for example, the Passion Translation is known as what's referred to as a single person translation, which means that one person sat down and interpreted the scriptures the way that he or she thought and that's the way they, they come out. Most translations um, that are more academic or, or uh, more in line with the original text are a team of theologians who sit down and talk to one another. They discuss it. They pray over it. And so I, I'm not saying anything ill against the Passion Translation, but I do want to tell you, as you're reading through scriptures, no matter what translation you're reading, it's always good to go back to the original context. It's always good to go back to the original language in which it was written in Hebrew or Greek. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to read the Passion Translation, but throughout this message, I'm going to be taking us back to the Hebrew text, okay, to reinforce some stuff. So I just want to give that, that quick thing before we jump into this. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 27 in the Passion Translation. I like the way some of this pops off the page for us. It says this. It says, listen carefully, my dear children, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. And verse 21 says, fill your thoughts with my words. Because there's a lot of things we can fill our thoughts with in 2020, if you haven't noticed. But this scripture says, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. So it's saying it's gonna happen in repetition. You do it over and over and over and over. And eventually my words will go from your thoughts down into your heart and into your spirit man. Verse 22, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiate health into the very core of your being. Isn't that powerful to think about? So there's a lot of toxicity in our world. And this is saying, if you'll take my words and let them penetrate deep down into your spirit, you'll actually begin to radiate health. Verse 23 says, so above all, that's a strong statement. Above everything else, all of your tasks, everything you have on your to-do list, the Lord says, above all of that stuff, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. 
Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Verse 24, avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Now tune your ears in. Uh, Turn your radio frequency in. Listen a little closer. Verse 25, set your gaze on the path before you. Focus. Look at your neighbor and say, focus. It says, with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring life's distractions. 2020 will go down as the most distracting year of all time. And scripture says, ignore it all. Ignore life's distractions. Now, this next sentence is said with an exclamation point, so I'm going to say it as such. Watch where you're going! (laughs) Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe. Instruction followed by a promise. Watch where you're going, stick to the path of truth, and your path will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on the subject. Watch where you're going. All right, you awake? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Help us to watch where we're going. Speak to us today. Our, our ears are listening in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a male, so I need a lot of help watching where I'm going. My wife helps me with this, especially when we're driving because I get distracted really easily. Women, can I get an amen? amen? Men get distracted. We just do. We don't multitask well. Um, I, I like to, to think of it as a computer. You know, women can have like five pages up at once, working with all of them at one time. Men, we got to close one before we open another. We just don't do well with multitasking. And so Michelle's always like, watch where you're going, because I'm notorious for missing an exit. I just get to daydreaming, and I'll miss my exit. And car manufacturers know this, because now, if you get distracted while you're driving, your steering wheel will vibrate. Some, some cars, you know, newer cars, if you start to drift into another lane, your, one of your butt cheeks will vibrate. It's like, whoa, what's happening here? It'll beep at you. Beep, 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 beep. What, what's it saying? What the car is literally saying to you, watch where you're going. <laughs> now, the author of Proverbs, this particular chapter, was Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth. His instruction, his advice is what I want to show you today for the next few minutes. I want to take us through this scriptures, through this passage that we just read. And this is not an overly complicated sermon. This is not a deep dive into the theological debate or ramifications or thought processes. This is a simple passage of scripture that gives us really good instruction for 2020 and beyond. Okay? So four things, four simple truths that I want to pull out of this text to help us. Watch where we're going. Point number one, if you're taking notes, watch what you think. Now, let's go back to verse 20, and it says, listen carefully, my dear children. It's like he's saying, bless your little heart. Listen carefully to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. And then verse 21 says, fill your thoughts with my words. 
until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiate health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. So all of these things about our heart, it talks about our heart over and over again. But if you go trace it all the way back to verse 21, it says, fill your thoughts. Your thoughts are where it all begins. Your thoughts is where it starts. And so we read it out of the Passion Translation. Let me reverse and go back to verse 21 and read it to you in the New King James Version. Okay, the New King James Version says this. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Now it's referring to his teachings. Do not let his teachings depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So how do you take in, John, how are you taking the idea of our eyes and connecting that to our thoughts. Well, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let the Hebrew text do it. Okay, so if you go back to the Hebrew, this phrase, from your eyes, is the Hebrew word, a yin, and it means mental qualities, mental and spiritual facilities. So it's saying it all starts with your thoughts. And then it says, keep your heart. The, heart, the word heart in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word levav, and it means your inner man, your mind, your soul, and your understanding. Your attitude is the sum total of your thoughts. If, if I see you and I can, can watch your attitude, I can tell you your thought life. Wow. Your thought life will always tattletale on you. And it'll tattletale on you through your emotions. It'll tattletale on you through your attitude. It'll tattletale you on you through your social media posts. It'll tattle, it just will, it'll tattletale on you. And so we must watch our thoughts because our thought life has a cycle. The cycle goes something like this. You sow a thought, you reap an act. Then you turn around and sow that act, you will reap a habit. You will become habitual in acting a certain way because you had become habitual in thinking a certain way. And then you sow that habit over and over and over again, and that will put you on a path. And that path will take you to a destination. But if you trace the steps of that all the way back, it always starts with a thought. So, with all of that being said, let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you think about 2020? What do you think about the elections? <laughs> so, so when you frame it this way, when you, when you think about how important our thought life is and the, the, the cycle of this or the ramifications of our thought life, it makes us stop and think before we say anything. Verse 23 says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Guard your heart. Tells us this over and over again in scripture. And basically what it's saying is this heart of yours is so important. The deep part of you, the, the lavav, as the Hebrew text calls it, your inner man, your inner woman, your soul, your understanding, how you filter your life is so important that you better guard your heart. You better watch what you're thinking. And it's like um, I, I had, I was, the other day I'd gone outside um, to clear the leaves out of our pool. And if you have trees and a pool, it's a bad combination this time of year. And so we're constantly pulling leaves out of our pool. And God began to show me this illustration 
while, while I was working on this because every pool has a pump and every body has a pump. It's called a heart. Every pool has a pump, and basically the, the pump is the lifeblood of this pool, the circulation. It's the circulatory system of your pool, and all of the water passes through this, and it must pass through this in order to be pushed back out to bring life back to the swimming pool, and we have to guard the pump. I'm always telling my kids and Michelle, check the skimmers, because if it bogs down, it can damage the pump. If the pump becomes damaged, then it will cease to properly function. There's, in my pool, I'm not a pool expert, in my pool there's three filtration systems before the water ever gets to that pump. There's one called the skimmer. It catches all the leaves and all the dead mice and spiders and weird stuff that's in your pool, your frogs or whatever else it catches. It's nasty. That catches the big stuff. And then the water passes through and goes over by the pump and there's another little skimmer there that you got to check about once a month or so. And then from there the water passes through that and goes into the actual... Um, filtration system where it catches all of the tiny little particles, small things that pass through the filtration, that pass through the skimmers. All because any of that particles or material gets into the pump, it will affect the way the pump functions. It will damage the pump. The Bible says that guard your heart above all else because out of your heart flows everything. We have to set up filtration systems. Why? Because if you allow certain stuff to get into your heart, it will change everything about you. We must put up filtration systems that ensures that bitterness is not getting into our hearts. We must put up filtration systems that are ensuring that unforgiveness does not make its way into my heart. Somebody hurts me. Somebody rejects me. Somebody damages me. Somebody makes me think something that will eventually get down into my heart and into my soul and turn something toxic and change the way that I'm pumping stuff out of my life. Proverbs 4, 23, let me read it for you. In the King James, New King James, it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of your heart, out of it springs the issues of life. Guard your heart. We gotta guard our heart. There's two Hebrew words I wanna show you this real quick. The word keep. So in, in, in one translation, it says, keep your heart, keep it. This word keep is the, Greek, is the Hebrew word netzar, and it means to guard, to watch over, to keep close, to set up a blockade, to say, I see you coming, bitterness. I'm putting up a blockade to not allow bitterness to get past and into my heart. I, I'm going to stop it before it has the opportunity to get into my heart. It's not, it, I'm not going to allow it. I have to keep my heart. I have to set up blockades. There's another word in the Hebrew, and it's the Hebrew word for diligence, because it says to do this with all diligence. The word diligence in Hebrew is the Hebrew word mishmar, and it means to place a place of confinement, a prison, a guard, a jail, a guard post, a watch, an observance. It means I'm going to put guards round the clock to keep out anything that wants to make its way into my heart. I have to do this. I have to, to make sure that I'm guarding my heart. I love um, one of my favorite commentaries is by a theologian. He passed away actually pretty recently. His name is Warren Wearsby. And he said this, he said, the heart is the master control of the life and a wrong heart always produces a wrong life. So we got to guard our heart. We got to make sure that we're watching our thoughts because our thoughts 
turn into things that penetrate our heart, and they turn outward things to everything around us, the fruit that we, present, the fruit that we put out. Second thing, if you're taking notes. Number one, watch what you think. Number two, watch your mouth. <laughs> so let me show you this in the text. In Proverbs, it goes the very next verse, verse 24, he says, avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words. Now watch these three words. No matter what. No matter what they say. No matter what they post. Watch what you say. He's saying watch, watch your mouth. This word perverse. He says to avoid using perverse words. This word perverse in Hebrew is the Hebrew word ayakashuth. It's a really fun word. Ayakashuth. And it means this. It means crookedness. Distortion to twist. So that's the Hebrew word. If you look at the Greek word that kind of parallels with this, it's actually the Greek word called skolios. I don't have this in my notes. It's, it's, it's the Greek word that's, that's called skolios, which is where we get our word scoliosis. It means to bend, to twist. Something's out of whack. Something is twisted. And what Solomon is saying to us, what the Lord is saying to us through Solomon is don't get your words twisted. Make sure your words are in line. In line with what? The truth of what God says. Not what anybody else says. Taking me back to, to this. The, the Latin root word for the word perverse means to turn towards ill. Don't let your words turn towards ill. Watch your mouth. Pretentious, it says, don't, don't allow your words to become pretentious. Don't use pretentious words. Pretentious is defined in the dictionary as an expression of unwarranted or exaggerated importance or worth. We are bad at this, y'all. We exaggerate everything. We use so much hyperbole nowadays. Like if the fish was actually this big, we're like, it was this big, it was amazing. And we do this when we're trying to prove our point. When we have an opinion and we are telling our opinion to somebody else, we tend to exaggerate. And, God, and the Lord's saying, don't exaggerate your words. Don't, don't be pretentious. Don't pretend. Don't, don't do something like that. Don't exaggerate your words. Proverbs 6, 12 says, a worthless person, watch this, this is strong, but luckily it's not me saying it, it's the word. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. The Bible says a person who walks around with a perverse mouth is wicked, is a worthless person, a strong James 3, 5 talks about our mouth. It says, and, the, and, and so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can, keep, it, it can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can, be, can, can burn throughout the course of human existence. Proverbs chapter four says, avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid doing that. The Hebrew word for this word avoid is the Hebrew word rayach. You have to hack. And it means to be far from, to cast it away, to thrust it away. I thrust that speech, that vocabulary, that word that I want to say, I'm going to cast that far away. I'm not going to allow my mouth to speak that way. These are very simple words, very simple things that the Lord is telling us to do. We drive it away. We're going to watch where we're going by watching our mouth. 
Watch your mouth. Look at your neighbor. It'll be fun to tell your neighbor this. Watch your mouth. Last time you said that was to your child. Watch your mouth. You wow, wash your mouth. That was soap. Watch your mouth. So number one, we're going to watch what we think. Number two, we're going to watch our mouth. And number three, we're going to watch where we look. Watch where you look. Did you know that your eyes are so important? What we look, many times, determines what we think, which then determines what we say. What we hear, what we see, crafts a thought, and once that thought is crafted, it penetrates deep down into our heart, and now everything that we do in our life will be flowing from that place that could all be traced back to something that we looked at. Watch what it says, the very next verse. I'm just going verse by verse through this text in Proverbs. Verse 25 says this, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead and ignore life's distractions. Because the Lord knew we would be distracted. He knew that we would get distracted over and over again. And here's what I'm convinced about the devil, okay? We get so convinced that the devil's trying to defeat us. The devil is not set on defeating you as much as he's set on distracting you. He just wants to distract us. 2020 will go down as the most distracting year on the face of the earth. This is one heck of a distracting year. I don't know about y'all. What are y'all looking at? Why aren't you looking at me? You've become distracted. You've become distracted. Do you know why I know you're distracted? I know that there's a silly dude behind me right now, but I didn't even have to look at him. I looked at you. And your eyes went off of me and onto this fool back here. Not you, Michael. I love you. Well, thank you, Michael. Give Michael a hand. The way that I knew that you had become distracted was because you stopped looking at me and you started looking past me. What has 2020 done to distract you? To take your eyes off of Jesus, to take your eyes off of what you were put on this earth to do, and we've become distracted. You know, you know the key to a good magician, right? Magicians don't actually do magic. I don't know if that's, maybe I, you know, spoiler alert, maybe. What makes a good magician is the art of distraction. What makes the devil so good at what he does is not because he's that good, he's not that powerful, he can't overcome you, you're a child of God, there's nothing he can do about that, but he can distract you. He can distract you over and over and over again. And our eyes will deceive us. They'll deceive us. And this scripture tells us, it says, do not let life distract you. Do not become distracted. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 talks about this. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Your eyes can get you into trouble quicker than anything else. Ask Eve. The Bible says that Eve saw the tree. And she got distracted. The very first time the devil ever showed up to do anything on this earth, he used distraction. Distracted her from the truth of what God had said. Ask David. The Bible says that David was 
sticking around at home at the time when most kings went off to war. And he was on the roof and he saw Bathsheba. He was distracted. The Bible says that Elisha's servant looked out. They were on top of the mountain. He looked out and he says that he saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. And the Bible says that Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see the truth. We got to watch what we're looking at. We got to watch what we're filling our minds with. I, I wish that there was a channel on TV that we could turn to that would fill us with something different than CNN. Because all we do is we fill our minds. We're filling our minds with what the world is saying. And God's like, you're, you're distracted. You've lost why you're here on this earth. You've taken your eyes off of what I've said, Proverbs 4, 25. It says, set your gaze on the path before you, not beside you, not behind you. Saying, why are you on this earth? Set your path, set your eyes here with fixed purpose. Fix, fix. You don't need to be on a swivel. Fix your eyes, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. You know, um, horses are these huge, powerful animals that run these races. And they figured out that they have to put blinders on racehorses. And if they don't put blinders on a racehorse, then all of this power, all of this amazing muscle, all of this energy, all of this power that these horses possess is useless. And they will never win the race. They will never finish the race. And so they started putting blinders on them. Why? So that they would only be able to see the race before them. And they were able to block out the people yelling in the stands and screaming and yelling negativity because I didn't bet on that horse. I didn't bet on you. So, so they would put blinders on the horses so they could run faster and stronger. And then and only then did their full potential become relevant. And this is what, in many ways, Solomon is trying to tell us. Look ahead, like fix your eyes. Your eyes are, you're so distracted. And what I want to say to the body of Christ is we are so distracted. We've become so possessed with the things around us and we've lost sight of why we're on this earth in the first place. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then tells us how we do that. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. The key word in that for me is faith, that Jesus is the perfecter. He's the author of faith. Because what we have been tempted to do, myself included, is I've been tempted to put my faith in government. I've been tempted to put my faith in things around me. The Bible says we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Why? Because God has a path for us, a path for us, a journey for us. And the Bible is saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, because I'm the only one that can be the author of your faith. I'm the only one that can be the perfecter of your faith. So you have to watch what you're doing. Watch where you're going. You have to watch what you're looking at. You have to watch what you're saying. You have to watch what you're thinking. Last but not least, number four, we have to watch the scales. 
Now, I know holiday is right around the corner. I'm not talking about those scales, okay? I'm not talking about those scales. We should probably watch those scales too, but I'm not talking about those scales. You eat whatever you want, okay? Bless it in Jesus' name. I want to take you back to verse 26, okay? Verse 26, with an exclamation point, says, watch where you're going. Now, this word watch, okay? I want to, where, where are we connecting the dots between watch and scales? That doesn't, I don't know the connection you're trying to make there, John. Well, I want to show it to you. If you go to the Hebrew, the original language, uh, in, let me say this first, King James Version the way the King James, King James Version says it is, ponder the path. Passion Translation says, watch where you're going. King James is a little more refined. Ponder the path. This word ponder in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word palas, and it means to weigh out, to make level. And you have to picture a scale, you know? Like you put one thing on one side of the scale and it tips the scales. And what, what the Bible is saying, what the scriptures are telling us, is find the balance, you know? Because we can't just pretend like we're not in the world. We can't pretend like we're not in America. We can't just bury our head in the sand and say, well, I can't be involved with that. I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I can't be involved with the world. It's not saying that. But it's also saying that I can't become so obsessed with the world that I lose sight of who Jesus is and why I'm here in the first place. This is saying, watch where you're going. Balance the scales. Find, find the balance in this, because this is what the enemy comes to do. The enemy comes to drop weights on one side of your scale. He wants to distract you. So he's going to drop worry. He's going to drop fear. He's going to drop doubt. He's going to drop all of these things. I don't know what your biggest worry is. I don't know what you struggle with, but this is what the enemy is going to do. He's going to come to tip the scales in one direction. So this is the constant battle that we're, that we're putting. So what we have to learn to do is that for every weight the enemy adds, we find a truth in Scripture that counterweights it. Okay? There's always a counterweight. There's always something that we need to apply to our thoughts, to our mouth, and to our eyes to counterweight what the enemy is throwing at us. It's finding the ability to find a truth that overcomes the lie. Proverbs 16.11 says, A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his. It's his work. So it's, it's telling us that when fear, so let's say fear is a big one for you. You fear for your children, you fear for your finances, you fear for your circumstances, you're just a, a worry wart, you fear, you fear, you fear. If, if fear comes to, let's say fear comes to tell you that you should worry about the nation, like in a bad way, you should become fearful. Uh, we, we must apply a counterweight that says, yeah, I, I shouldn't be as concerned with who's in charge of the nation because I know who's in charge of the universe. And, and he didn't just, you know, name the stars. He decided where each one of them should be. And, you know, he knows, he knows who I am. The Bible says that he knows how many hairs are on my head. And so for some of us, it's an easier count. I don't know. For the Lord, he's like, oh, that one's easy. But... But, it's, but what, what, what are we doing? We're taking the, the reality of our situation, but we're counterweighing with the truth of what Scripture says. Okay, let me give you some more examples. Let's say you, you're worried about, you have anxiety about the future. You worry about your future career, your kid's future, your finances' future. You're always worried about the future. You can balance out your worry about the future by knowing the one who holds the future. Yeah. That God is not 
that worried about it, you know? So, so it's, a, it's a counterbalance. We're going counter, to counter that out. So let's say that, um, that you, you, you worry about your past, you know? Maybe you have shame. Maybe you have something from your past that, that you're ashamed of and it holds you back and you, you, cannot, you can't help but think about that. The counterbalance would, 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 would tell us that Jesus gave his life and the Bible says in Romans that there's now no condemnation. Okay, so this is a daily struggle. This is a daily battle when the enemy comes in to distract you with fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, whatever that it, it comes. What this is saying is watch what you're doing. Find the counterbalance. Find, find the balance in all of this. So uh, maybe, maybe one for you is I don't, I don't have enough. I want to tithe. I believe in tithing, but I, I just never have enough at the end of the month to tithe. And so that weighs my balance down. Well, <laughs> the scripture says that he's Jehovah Jireh, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that every good and perfect gift comes from above, and that he has more than enough according to his riches and glory. It, I have to find the counterbalance for every lie that the enemy comes in to tell me about. So Proverbs 20, verse 23, watch this one. This is another strong verse, but again, what me? Scriptures. It says, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. Okay? Now, we think about this, let's be honest, you know, don't cheat on your taxes. Don't, you know, we, we always associate this scripture to, to money. Okay? And I think it applies to that. But as I was studying for this, this passage, I began to ask myself the question with this idea of finding the balance right? Applying truth in scriptures to what the enemy comes. I begin to ask myself the question, what if this doesn't just apply to coins? What if God detests our dishonest scales? What if we're so weighed down by worry and God looks down and is like, I detest that. He doesn't detest you. He detests the devil that he is had so much control over you. And he says, no, I want balanced scales. I want honest scales. Because the truth is, with honesty comes truth. The truth is that God does care for you. That God does provide for you. That God is in your future. That you don't have to worry. That you don't have to fear. And he's coming at us in this, in this way. That he detests the enemy's ability to outweigh the magnitude of who God is. So we must find a way to bring truth into every process, into every aspect of our life. So there is a truth, this is the key, there is a truth in Scripture for every lie in your head. For every single lie that you're living with, there is a truth in Scripture that will balance this out. And God wants us to have balanced scales, <laughs> The same theologian, Warren Wearsby, he said this. He said, live in God's word and he will protect your path, direct your path, and perfect your path. Why do I need to live in God's word? Because that's where truth is. In fact, that's the only place truth is. You will find nothing in this world to bring truth. CNN won't balance the scales for you. I'm sorry. Social media will not balance the scales for you. The only thing that will balance the scales and give you a, a healthy whole life on this earth is the word of God because it's truth. It's truth. It's absolute truth. So we must do this on a continual basis. Watch your scales. Are you balanced? Are you finding balance? Okay. So we're going to watch what we think. 
We're gonna watch our mouth. We're gonna watch our mouth. We're gonna watch where we look and we're gonna watch the scales, okay? Simple message today, something that I think will encourage you, will help all of us to get through what we're going through. So let me conclude by reading the very last verse that we started with. Verse, verse, 40, verse 27 says, don't allow yourself to be sidetracked. Don't, don't be distracted, don't be sidetracked. The thing that I like, leave that verse up there for a second. The thing I like is it says, don't allow yourself. It doesn't say don't allow others. <laughs> this is a journey that we're all in for ourselves. God's like, don't worry about everybody else, worry about yourself. You get yourself right. You fix yourself. I don't need you fixing everybody else on social media. Fix yourself. Fix yourself. Don't allow yourself to get sidetracked. But then this, this is the part I really want to focus in on. It says, for even a moment. Now that's pressure. How do I do that every moment? Like I'm human. I, I, um, going back to this pool illustration, Several years ago, we, we got a house that had a pool, and I didn't know how to run this thing. I had no idea how to use it, um, and I didn't know how long to run the pump. So I would try it. It would run for an hour and three hours, and people told me it should run for seven hours, and some said, no, just three hours. Depends on time of the year, and I was just I was reading articles trying to figure this out, and I was just hanging out with a friend of mine. He goes to the Edmond campus, Russell Thorpe, and I said, hey, Russell, you have a pool. Um, I'm trying to figure out how long I should run my pump. How long do you run your pump? He goes, oh, I run it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Really? Well, no, everybody I talk to says you don't need to do that. He goes, I know, I've read all those. I, you know, there's a lot of experts out there. But what I have found, that if I'll just keep it running all the time, it's always clean. It just stays clean. And I think this is what the scripture is saying. Guard your heart. Guard the affections of your heart. Don't do it sometimes. Don't just do it on Sunday mornings when you come to church and you think about God every now and then. He's like, no, all the time. Don't get sidetracked for even a moment. Because if one moment, the enemy will slip something past your filtration system. <laughs> I got I to gotta examine my heart. This is why I'm obsessed with the heart. If you've never heard me preach, I'm obsessed with it. Because I think that it's so important. Paul says on a continual basis, Examine your heart. Why? Because something might have slipped through. Something might have slipped through. If we're having issues, if we're, having, if, we're, if, our, if we're worrying more, if we're frustrated more, if we're losing our temper more, if you're, if you're having anxiety, whatever it is that you're seeing the fruit of, the invitation is, what got through? What have you been thinking about? What you been watching? And if we would step back and say, Holy Spirit, what? What got through? The Holy Spirit will bring something back to your remembrance. He'll, he'll remind you of that new friend that you have, that you spend time at the water cooler at work, and they're talking about stuff all the time. He'll remind you of that new podcast you just started listening to, and how that's seeping in. This is an invitation. This is not a condemnation message. This is a, this is a man, let me help you message. This is something that we all, myself included, must do a better job of, because this, this passage says, don't get sidetracked for even one moment. And y'all, 2020 is hashtag sidetrack king. This is crazy. That wasn't that good of a hashtag I made up on the, off the cuff. But we have to guard our hearts. So let me close this way. 
I added this passage just this morning because my immediate, immediate thought went to this big challenge of, you know, stay on the path, don't get off the path, guard your heart. What do we do when we get off the path? What do we do when we do feel lost? When I just lose it, I just, I get off the path and I've done something wrong. And, and God brought this passage, the Holy Spirit brought this passage back to my remembrance this morning and I pulled it up and I read it and I wanna read it for you. Because I wanna show you the heart of the Father when we're lost. This is such a beautiful passage in Luke chapter 15, verse four. It says, if a, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will criticize it and yell at it for leaving. No. It says when he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. You know why he had to carry that sheep home on his shoulders? Because it was exhausted. Being lost is tiring. Because you're trying to figure it out for yourself and you're not with the herd and you don't have a shepherd guiding you and directing you. So you're just lost trying to figure it out. And I love that Jesus comes up to him not saying, shame on you for leaving. You should have never left. You're grounded, mister. You know, he didn't do any of this. The Bible says that he joyfully took my yoke. Like I was weary, I was exhausted. And he didn't just do it because he's a nice guy. He joyfully did it. He picked up the sheep and put it on his shoulders and walked that thing back home. Verse six, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found, this is a key word, my lost sheep. You belong to him. You belong to him. And that's why he cares about you. Last verse ends with an exclamation point. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away, exclamation point. Jesus is more, if you're lost, if you feel, if you, if you feel lost today, if you are not in relationship with Jesus, if you feel weary, if you feel just separated from the pack, the Bible says that there is more rejoicing over you than the people who never messed up. He's more excited about you coming back than he is about the 99 who never left in the first place. That's, that's quite an invitation, y'all. That is not a condemnation message. That is that he loves you so much. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he gave his only son to die for us. He is pursuing you. He's pursuing us. If you feel lost, if you've messed it up, man, I got good news for you. Jesus is so excited to pick you up and joyfully put you back on his shoulders and take you back into the flock where the shepherd will keep you and protect you and provide for you. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in his presence, move beyond themselves and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church give or download our Victory Church app and select give. Once again, thank you and God desires for us 
to live life to the full.